Good morning, it is Thursday, August 27th, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in Scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. I was looking ahead, and I think we might finish 1 John next week. After tomorrow, we only have nine verses left of this book. I haven't totally mapped out the next week of devotions, but I think it's reasonable to think we may finish up 1 John by the end of next week. We've chipped away very slowly at 1 John, and I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Though it's been difficult at times, this book seems to have had only a few major themes running through it, and it's been cool to see how John writes about them in different ways. Well, let me read our passage for us today. I'll pray, and then we will dive right into it. This is 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe, God has made him a liar, because He has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. Let me pray for us. Dear God in heaven, thank you for the fellowship of the church. You have instituted the church for your glory and our good. And we've seen in 1 John so many times how the church is to act as your children. As we look again at your word today, Lord, teach your church. Be with us. Amen. If you missed yesterday's devotional, that's okay, but this is the second part of this mini three-part passage. In the larger passage of chapter 5, verses 6 through 12, John is giving six reasons or proofs or witnesses or testimonies, whatever you want to call it, to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. Yesterday, we talked about the first three that are found in verses 6 through 8. They were the witness of Jesus' baptism, His crucifixion, and the witness of the Holy Spirit. All three of these witnesses agree and conclude that Jesus is the Son of God. In our passage today, you'll see that John calls forth the big guns and calls his major witness to the stand, God the Father himself. In verse 9, John says, If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. In source, status, and significance, God the Father is indeed the ultimate witness, isn't he? We saw yesterday that at the moment of Jesus' baptism, God the Father called down and announced that Jesus was his Son. The power of this witness is that to deny the testimony of God the Father is to call the Father a liar. And we see this in verse 10. I'm no lawyer, but this seems like a pretty solid defense. Call forth God the Father, who says that Jesus is his Son. God the Father cannot lie, so... Charles Spurgeon has good things to say about this verse. He says, God is to be believed if all men contradict him. Let God be true and every man a liar. One word of God ought to sweep away 10,000 words of men, whether they be philosophers of today or sages of antiquity. God's word is against them all, 
for he knows infallibility. Of his own son he knows as none else can. Of our condition before him he knows. Of the way to pardon us he knows. There is nothing in God that could lead him to err or make a mistake, and it were blasphemy to suppose that he would mislead us. It were an insult to him, such as we may not venture to perpetrate for a moment, to suppose that he would willfully mislead his poor creatures by a proclamation of mercy, which meant nothing, or by presenting to them a Christ who could not redeem them. The gospel with God for its witness cannot be false. Whatever may be witness against it, the witness of God is greater, and we must believe the witness of God. Man, how could you not be stirred by such a truth? As we go today, our passage is short and simple. The testimony of God the Father is short and simple, yet it is profound. And all around us screams of a creator God, of a God who demands response from his creation, of a God who whispers in such a way that he cannot be ignored. When this God claims that Jesus is his only son, his son, will we believe him or will we deny him and call him a liar? Yesterday I had mentioned, wouldn't it have been enough for John, an apostle, an eyewitness to Jesus for three years of his earthly ministry, to simply say that Jesus was indeed the Son of God? He saw him commit the miracles. He saw him crucified. And yet today, we see that even John's testimony is just trumped by the witness of God the Father. Amazing. Let me close us in prayer. God, as we go today, we see really two things in this passage. First, we see what we, we learn today. That your testimony cannot be denied. We see that Jesus is the Son of God simply because you say so. But also, Lord, we see once again that you are so beyond us. Just as Spurgeon said, one word from you trumps 10,000 from even our best philosophers and our wisest sages throughout all time. God, you rise above all men, for you created us. So God, as we go today, Help us to be creatures who bow before that kind of God. A God who sent Jesus as his son to die for us. And that that action of sending Jesus was not an empty promise. It wasn't a Christ who could not redeem. He wasn't simply a man who died because he was loving and kind. It was your son and therefore it was an effective death on the cross. God, how amazing. And who are we to deny such a truth? God, be with us as we go today. We love you. Amen.
Go in peace. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>